Hey, tennis fans, you are listening to Matchpoint Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. We are also members of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Ben Lewis, joined alongside Mike McIntyre for episode number one from the National Bank Open in Toronto, presented by Rogers. Our thanks to Hotel X for this episode, the official hotel of Matchpoint Canada. Mike, our Super Bowl week is officially underway. It's here. It's finally here. And I'm glad you described it that way because, yeah, I try and explain to my friends, non-tennis loving friends. I mean, shame on them, but nobody's perfect. (laughs) Why this week means so much to us. And it's because, yeah, this is our like Stanley Cup or, or whatever it is from any other sport that descends upon Canada this week and makes tennis, you know, at the forefront of things. And for me, it's my 15th time now covering this tournament and not to mention all the years I came to see it as a kid. And You even hear that from the Canadian tennis players, that they used to come and watch this tournament when they were kids. It means something to everybody because we grew up with this. This tournament was, you know, sort of woven into the fabric of what made us tennis fans, to be perfectly honest. If I hadn't gone to Jerry Park as a kid in Montreal watching those matches, would I have been hooked on tennis to get this deep into it and covering it on a week-to-week basis with you on the podcast? So probably not. Um, So it's amazing. Family Day weekend is here, free for kids and their families, and and that's hooking the next generation on the sport too. And so, uh, what a, what a great way to start the event! I know today was really special for both of us. Yeah, it uh, it really was. It's just even anecdotally, uh, as someone who coaches tennis part time, running into four of my junior players, uh, who's none are over the age of seventeen, um, all watching Yannick Sinner practice. That was really cool, and and getting those experiences when you're younger and you're an aspiring tennis player, someone who just enjoys the sport, you might not have dreams of becoming a professional, uh, but you can be inspired uh, by seeing some of the, that, these athletes up close and and the. Access you gain, I think, on the weekend makes uh, what really is Toronto. Uh, one of the reasons Toronto and Montreal, their events are so special, uh, especially these free qualifying weekends. They're called family weekend for a reason. You can be up and close uh, next to superstars. And it was so busy today. Like It was as busy as I've ever seen a Saturday for qualifying yeah. in all my years here in Toronto. It was packed. And even later in the day, like between 5 and 6 p.m., Yannick Sinner was having a practice session on one of the outer courts with yep. Darren Cahill and swarmed by kids who were watching. They were having so much fun. Like Sinner was having a target practice drill, trying to hit tins of tennis balls. And every time he hit one, uh, Darren Cahill was dropping and doing 10 pushups. And so the kids and the people watching were just getting such a kick out of that. And Darren told me later that, you know, he was getting too old for this. <clears throat> and, uh, but it was really cute. And it's things like that, the autographs afterwards that Sinner took the time to do. And, you know, even though sometimes, you know, from adults, you might hear, oh, well, you know, Federer's not here. Or Djokovic isn't here. Like, if you looked at anyone in attendance today, nobody was complaining. The mm-hmm. kids are absolutely in love with the next wave of tennis players that are coming along. And I think we need to give them more credit and also remember that sports is for kids just as much as it is for adults. And that if you don't hook them when they're kids, they're not going to come around when they're adults to watch it. So um, it was really neat to see and uh, really a fun opening day with so much action around the courts from the qualifying matches to the practice sessions to all the press that, that we did. I mean, I don't know where you want to go next because there's so many things we could discuss here. Yeah, there there is a lot. Uh, I mean, we'll mention the fact that you have an interview with, I, I think, one of our favorite Canadians, of course, who go. is Vashik Pospisil, uh, who's also launched his own t-shirt brand, 
um, and a logo that he's had in the works, I guess, for a long time. Uh, finally put it together on a T-shirt. I think it actually looks really cool. I, I love it, to be honest. Uh, so I want we have one, to get... too. I know. I, I want one of those because they're <laughs> sharp. You know, he's yeah. got the, the VP. Yeah, It's kind of like an RF thing. But you know what? Vashik's had this for some time. And he just mm. came to the point where he's like, hey, look, I got to admit it. I'm in the, the later stages of my career. Why wear brands of someone else when I could put my own out there and sort of have some fun with it and and end my career on my own terms with my own logo there? And it's sharp. And he's got those, you know, VP logos on a bunch of T-shirts. He's got the anything is possible tagline, which is really catchy. And for Canadian tennis fans, something that we've seen for many years at uh, Davis Cup competitions. And uh, Vashik is kind enough to be uh, offering up some of this swag for our listeners, which we'll get to in a little bit. But uh, why don't we throw to my interview first with Vashik Pospisil from today at the National Bank Open. Happy to be joined now by maybe one of the busiest people in all of tennis, Canadian Vashik Pospisil. Uh, welcome back to Matchpoint Canada. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. What have you been up to? I know you, you made your return after quite a number of months off, unfortunately, with injury at Wimbledon. Uh, so maybe you could walk our listeners through a little bit what that process was like and, and where you're at right now physically and, and mentally, too, as you gear up for the NBO. Yeah, it was a very long process. Uh, definitely a, a challenging one this time around, more so, I would say, than previous ones. Um, just a lot of, uh, you know, unexpected uh, turns left, right, and just all, all over the map a little bit. But, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, I feel great now. I mean, coming back Wimbledon, I, I, you know, definitely wasn't ready and, and took a little bit more time. And then um, I've really had the last, I would say the last month or so to ramp up my training and to the point where I feel, I really feel, you know, fit enough to, to uh, play at a high level. Um, so I'm excited for the match. Well, that's great to hear and, and great timing too, obviously, because this tournament holds a special place in, in your heart and your fans obviously here love to get to see you play as well. What, what are you hoping for the second half of the season then if, if things are feeling better? What do you think you can, I don't want to use the word salvage, right? But what can you take mm. from the rest of the, the remaining season here? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think for me, it's it's really just to be healthy. I mean, I, I just, uh, I'm still having a, a few niggles, even though I'm, I'm good to go. I, I, there's just still a little bit of concern there that I want to make sure that uh, I end the year strong, um, staying healthy, and then really you know, if I can have a good end of the year now, I, I do feel like, you know, my season was kind of, um, I don't want to say ruined, but, but, you know, took a big hit. So, so I don't want to put too much pressure on myself now coming back, not really having played for five, five months. And, um, but I do think that, you know, if I'm fit, if I'm healthy, I can get on a bit of a run and hopefully, especially at the end of the year, I, there's a lot of tournaments that I like playing and, um, in, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a good indoor player. So I feel like I can have some runs and, um, and you know, launch uh, take off next year. <laughs> well, one tournament that obviously is is one you enjoy is here at the National Bank Open. We're in Toronto this year. Um, what do you hope to get out of this event in particular? And and what does it mean to you at this stage of your career? I mean, in general press a few minutes ago, you were kind of talking about how you're now a mature player, um, still in your early 30s, lots of time left. But uh, what does the tournament mean to you now at this stage compared to maybe what it did when you were younger? Well, it's still the, you know, the most special tournament for me. Um, you know, it was my breakthrough event in 2013, um, playing in front of your friends and family. I know I only have, you know, X amount, a few years left of that. I mean, regardless, even if I do have a, a healthy three, four years, it's not going to be longer than that. It's you not going to be so like Daniel Nestor going to yeah, 45, well, No, def definitely not. And, and um, 
so it's it's I think it's just kind of it's more and more special in that sense because I know there are fewer of them and and the fewer events where you can play in front of your friends and family my parents are flying in so nice. uh that'll be really nice and and yeah I mean I I gotta you know still you still still realize that uh um you know how lucky you are to, to to be be able to play this sport and be on this court and enjoy it a little bit more so I think it's it's definitely a shifted where where it's 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 kind of uh thinking about it like okay I'm inching closer to retirement even though I do have some years left and and try to enjoy it a little bit more whereas maybe previous years you know putting a, a quite a bit of pressure on yourself to perform well at home um so I just try to take it with you know kind of be be good to myself and with your parents here in attendance you're entered in both the singles and the doubles draw so great to see you in dubs as well with uh, Nico Mahu you guys have had some success in the past as well together winning a couple of titles yeah. when you um get to a tournament whether it's here or somewhere else do, do you look ahead at the draw like do you look at what section you're in do you like to kind of see where things might go or are you one of the ones you just want to see that first round match which in this case is going to be against a qualifier yeah, a bit of both. I mean, I, I, I do always, I do look at the section. Um, I mean, I, you know, then you do go match one match at a time and you look at, you know, your, your, your first opponent or your next opponent and, and you just completely dial in on that. But, but I do like to look at the draw and see, okay, you know, if I win, I play this person and, and if, oh, if I, you know, win that one then Medvedev. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've, I've, I've played him a couple of times. So he's a, he's a, he's obviously an incredible, incredible player, uh, quite the athlete. And, um, but, uh, yeah, I don't mind looking ahead at a draw. I think it's good. You talk about retirement, even though we're all hoping that's a few years off still, you've got so many things on the go clothing line, uh, the, the mushroom, uh, gig that you got as well. Um, PTPA that you're heavily mm -hmm. involved in. And I would imagine that's something that you would want to continue even post playing career. What kind of things will keep you involved with, with tennis? Do you figure when that day eventually does come, do you see a continued involvement given all that you've done for the sport up to this point? Yeah, I think, I, I think the highest likelihood of, you know, my continued involvement in tennis would probably be, um, with helping kids, um, and, and professionals that, you know, are, you know, starting on the tour that, that, that would, um, you know, kind of, kind of want some help. I don't, I don't see myself being full-time in tennis. I think it's, you know, I, I'm ready for a new chapter in my life after I, I retire, but, but I do just have this natural, you know, I'm drawn to, to, uh, you know, when I see juniors or their parents and they're asking questions and they, you know, they're trying to, they're inexperienced or they don't know. I just, I relate so much to that as being a young guy. And that was going through this journey that is where, you know, it's just really, really tough, really tough to make it. And, um, you know, the odds are stacked against you. So being able to, to give back, uh, at some capacity in that way is probably what I would enjoy the most. And, um, other than that, I, I, I feel like, you know, once I retire from the sport, I, I just, I just can't see myself being too, you know, overly involved other than, than helping, uh, the people that, that need help. Yeah. I mean, understandable after doing this for so many years, going back to when you were a little kid you know, yeah. time for some other things, right? Totally. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> well, speaking about giving back, uh, you're going to be giving something to one of our lucky listeners and, and Ben and I will kind of elaborate on that uh, later in the episode, but tell us briefly as we end about your clothing line, you're rocking the VP logo. Yeah. Anything is possible. So one of the best taglines ever. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a bit about where this came from and, and what you're hoping to do with it. Yeah, no. Yeah. Thanks. It's uh, yeah. I, I, you know, started my own clothing line. I just felt like I'm, you know, I want to wear my logo for the rest of, 
of my career rather than you know wearing other brands that don't really mean much to me so it, it means a lot more to just you know to 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 see a, a fan you know wear my logo or my shirt shirt that you know that means a lot more to me so so yeah i mean on this on this podcast here just uh I guess whoever whoever the selected winner winner is can go on the website and and uh, choose any shirt, obviously, and size, color, whatever it is, and then uh, we'll send that over. Awesome. Well, on behalf of our listeners, uh, thank you for that, and thanks for joining us today. And Fashik, have a great MBO singles, doubles, all of it. Enjoy it, and uh, we'll enjoy watching you. I appreciate that, Mike. Thanks for having me. There you have it, Mike's conversation with Canadian tennis player Vashik Pospisil. And you you know we often have a short term memory with this sport. I say it all the time. I think back to just last fall and how pivotal a role Vashik Pospisil played in Canada's historic Davis Cup win. They do not win Davis Cup without Vashik Pospisil. And it feels fitting that he's back here alongside actually Milos Raonic, who's making his return um, after five years. Cool to have them back to back in terms of episodes actually for us uh, because they kind of grew up together. They had a longstanding junior rivalry and uh, are, are very close uh, in age. So it, it's cool to see them both back at the same tournament again, healthy and competing. It's hard for me to grasp the fact that they're veterans now. I mean, Vashik yeah. mentioned it in his general press today, how he's like one of the mature players now. And I guess it's, it's true. They're 32, 31 years old. And uh, I mean, it didn't seem that long ago to me, that match. And many of you listening will remember this one fondly from 2010, if you can believe it when uh, fresh-faced Milos and Vashik, I mean, a very fresh-faced Vashik back then, he looked so young, but uh, they took down the world number one and two in singles, Rafa Nadal and Novak Djokovic, in that electric doubles match on center court that nobody gave them any business being even competitive in, let alone winning. Um, and so that one is, it really, you know, uh, sticks with us after all these years. The the time they met in the semifinals in 2000, 2013, 10 years ago, uh, how amazing was that as well for Canadian tennis? So, yeah, they, they are in the, the the back nine of their career now for sure. And Vashik mentioned that in his interview with me. Uh, but I, I feel like both of them still have something left to show us. And for Vashik, that could be again at Davis Cup, where he's so versatile in doubles, in singles if needed as well. And I think Milos, if he gets a few tournaments under his belt, uh, I think he still, if he's healthy, can be a, a top-level presence in the men's game too. Yeah, uh, well said. And I, I guess if we sort of take a peek at the draw and some of the matchups for our Canadians, uh, Vashik Pospisil will start against a qualifier, which I, I suppose is best case scenario as he's kind of returned to the tour after a few months of layoff and and he's kind of getting reacclimated. I suppose. Didn't really get the results on grass yet. He has his new coach Malik Jaziri in the corner. So we'll see how that lines up. Milos Raonic, big blockbuster matchup against world number 10, Francis Tiafo. Yeah, neither's going to be easy. Vashik for lack of match play. I mean, Milos also for lack of match play. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Vashik's going to get a qualifier who's coming in with two straight wins, someone who's playing well already on the courts in Toronto. And Milos, my goodness, why did it have to be this way? Why couldn't he have had a bit of a cushier draw in his return to his home tournament? But he gets Francis Tiafo, the ninth seed, who... Hopefully he's coming in a little bit tired from his run in, in D.C. And I know that they wanted to get him out there nice and early. And hopefully he's still a little bit tired before he plays Milos. Um, and, you know, I hope it's not the last time we see them both here in Toronto. Who knows what what comes next? Uh, Milos mentioned to us in his interview that there's no guarantee because you don't play in Toronto again for another two years. Mm -hmm. um, so let's enjoy this. I know the fans are going to be, you know, behind both of them. Um, and before we segue on to, you know, other players, do you want to mention Vashik 
kind enough to give up uh, one of his VP t-shirts or anything is possible t-shirts. So uh, if you want to get in on that, please uh, retweet or repost uh, the um, episode on Twitter with us. If you want to also mention what your favorite Vashik Pospisil memory is, that's great. And in the coming days, Ben and I will draw one lucky winner and we'll uh, send your details to Vashik and you can pick out the size, the color, the style of t-shirt you want. And thanks to Vashik, uh, he offered this up on his own accord um, and and very, um, you know, very gracious of him to do so. Always, always such a classy guy. Uh, if we dig into the men's field a little bit, I mean, the rock star of the show, at least Saturday impress has to be, I think Carlos Alcaraz, you, you know, coming off that Wimbledon title. This is his first tournament since winning that historic title. Props to you, Mike, for your question in press, asking him one of your favorite questions, I think, to ask players is where <laughs> they keep their trophies. And of course, okay, this tell is... me something, though. Tell me something. Is that question? Did you not think people like hearing that question or is it just a me thing? No, I love it. I love it, especially because he gave such a, a thoughtful answer that uh, clearly I, guess, I, yeah, I mean, I... yeah, go ahead. I know I get great answers from players, that just all the different places that they keep these things. You know what I yeah. mean? And. I don't know if it's because I don't have enough trophies from when I was younger and I wish I had more. Yeah. Uh, I do have some old ones that I got in a box somewhere. I can't wait to show my kids one day and have them pretend to care. But um, for, for Carlos, he says, yeah, it's on, it's in the living room. And that when they're in the living room, there it is in full display for him and his family to see. And I also like, like the other part of his answer to my question, which is, you know, how did you celebrate the Wimbledon victory having the last few weeks off? And he really gave off the vibe that, you know, he's a family guy uh that he doesn't need like flashy celebrations or anything too crazy that really just spending it with the people that he loves that are closest to him was what meant the most to him and uh definitely as you mentioned rock star vibe though when he walked into the room everyone was a little bit you know buzzing with his arrival mm -hmm. and um i think it's because we kind of recognize that he could very well be the next major major thing for a prolonged period of time in our sport yeah look 47 and four on the season six titles world number one and uh no novak djokovic here alcaraz of course is is the favorite to win this title um you look a little bit at the draw specifically and we discussed this at the draw ceremony at the hyatt on friday where yannick sinner and alexi gallerno were in attendance it is a top heavy draw uh stefano Tsitsipas, holger runa Yannick Sinner, who I just mentioned, Hubert Hercatch, all landing in that top half, uh, which lightens up the load of the bottom half. Danil Medvedev, the number two seed. And look, he plays really, really well in these courts. We remember two years ago where he made that run and won the title in Toronto. I think he's a threat as well. Uh, but I'm I'm really interested in some of the matchups and what could unfold, particularly in the top half of the draw. Yeah, and what kind of tournament are we going to get this year? I mean, for the men last year in Montreal, who would have foreseen Pablo Carreño Busta coming out and emerging yeah. as champion? Uh, just like, uh, you know, a couple of years ago on the women's side, uh, Camila Georgie, who would have seen that coming? So mm -hmm. sometimes in Canada, and, and because it's the first big hardcore tournament and some players haven't really played much since Wimbledon, you can get some surprising results. And I think that adds to the overall allure of where this tournament falls in the calendar. Even Carlos Alcaraz, it's his first hardcore tournament he hasn't played in a little while, is now maybe the best time to sort of catch him uh, not completely with two hands on the wheel. And he might have to start against Ben Shelton in the uh, second round after receiving a first round bye. That could be a tricky one for him too, depending on how Shelton's playing. So you look through the draw, and even though the top half seems on paper a little bit heavier than the bottom half, um, there's no real weak sections of this draw. 
And I think what we're going to get over the next, you know, seven, eight days of action is just the best kind of tennis that fans here can hope for. So it's uh, it's a great draw, some special matchups and, um, you know, we got to get through qualifying first, but um, it's we're going to hit the ground running on Monday for sure. Yeah, definitely. I want to give a shout out as well to Kasparud, who's clearly just vibing with Toronto. He threw at the first pitch of the Blue Jays game the other night. And I got to say, he's got a pretty live arm, actually. Uh, like the pitch was a little bit high, maybe not a perfect strike, but he's clearly an athlete. Um, we've seen some other celebrity athletes flop with the first pitch before. Kasparud did a very good job. I was impressed. Usually when you see those things, they're embarrassing. And yeah. whether it's an athlete or not, either they, they can't quite make it, you know, uh, the distance or they throw way off to one side or the other or too high. And he was right on the money and he threw it pretty hard, too. So, yeah, that was one of the better ones I've ever seen. And it's nice to see that tennis is using these platforms to showcase some of these personalities because we are in a transition period of the sport. The big three are no longer. Federer's retired. Nadal, who knows what comes next. Djokovic also, it's not like he's going to be around for another, you know, five or six years. So uh, the, the torch is being passed already. And the fact that Yannick Sinner was the one at the draw ceremony and that Carlos Alcaraz is our 20-year-old number one player in the world. Uh, these are the people that are going to carry the sport forward. So you got to put them in positions of visibility. You got to promote them. You got to put them on podcasts like Matchpoint Canada <laughs> and, and share them with, with your listeners. And um and I think there's a great group. I don't feel uh, concerned whatsoever about who's coming up next. I think they've all got enormous potential and possibility. And uh, I think tennis is in good hands. Yeah, that's that's well said. If we talk a little bit more about the Canadians uh, in terms of Milos Raonic, you've watched him in practice a lot. I know I caught about 30 minutes of his practice with Yannick Sinner, uh, mainly hitting ground strokes. I was impressed. Forehand was looking great. He was moving pretty well. I, I think you've watched up close and he's been hitting with all of the big guns and very much looks like he belongs. Yeah. First of all, the fact that these top 10 guys all want to hit with Milos, I think speaks volumes and, and they're not just obliging him because they're in a Canadian tournament. They're doing it because they respect him, what he's done um, probably really, you know, are applauding his efforts to come back to the tour and all the work that, you know, he had to put into that, that he shared with us last week on the podcast. So he was out there with Yannick Sinner. He was out there with Daniil Medvedev. He was out there with Andrei Rublev. I mean, these are some big names. And good for him, too, to test his game now against these top players. And I watched them in their practice sets. They were going hard. Him and Daniil Medvedev, my goodness. I mean, Milos was drop-shotting him. And Medvedev on one came in, got the drop shot, but had so much momentum. He nearly hit a TV camera on the court leapt to the side and sort of fell into the photographer's pit and thank God he was okay. But I'm just trying to say like, this is how hard they're practicing to get ready for this tournament. And uh, yeah, I was very encouraged with, with how Ronich was looking out there. And so, you know, not putting too much expectations on him here, given he's only played two tournaments and both were on grass, but I think good things are in store with him. If he can, you know, get some reps in and get some matches in and go beyond here to Cincinnati, the U S open, maybe hopefully playing some indoor tournaments in the fall where you know that serve is just going to be even that much more potent. Uh, I mean, Medvedev, as he so often does, but he was right up against the backboards when he was returning to Milos in practice. 
Yeah. I wish they were kind of movable. Like, you know, there's retractable roofs. What if we had movable? And when it was a Milos match, we just pushed the opponents ever so slightly <laughs> closer to the baseline to make it tougher for them. Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, very, very cool to see. And uh, we'll, we'll see how Milos handles Francis Tiafo in what should be an electric Monday night session. Alexi Gallardo, who is part of that draw ceremony, um, who just won a, his first challenger title in Granby a couple of weeks ago. Tough draw for him. He'll get Francisco Surrendolo, the dangerous Argentinian in the first round match. I think that'll be a great opportunity for him to just test his level, see where he's at, if if he can hang and compete with Surrendolo. And I, I think he can. Um, I want to say uh, Peter Polanski actually making his final appearance. And it sounds like it probably his final ATP tour match used a protective ranking to, to play in qualifying, losing to Max Purcell. I watched uh, the first set. Polanski can still hit well from the baseline. The little details here and there that that sort of led to the loss against Purcell. Uh, but nice to see him, you know, go out somewhat on his own terms, making a return here in Toronto where he's from. Yeah, I'm glad he was able to come back and have that moment, too. And he showed some glimpses, some flashes, obviously hasn't played enough matches to develop that rhythm. But he had some nice shots, you know, tonight for sure. And there was a decent crowd that stuck around to watch mm-hmm. him as well. Um, he's been around for a long time and he's one of the the thinkers in the Canadian game. Uh, he was number one briefly as well. Number one Canadian ranked uh, tennis player as well for a, a stretch of time earlier in his career, too. And um, yeah, I didn't realize he had kind of, you know, put out that Instagram story saying last Masters 1000. And then I was speaking to a reporter friend of mine, Ed Kleiman, and his daughter, Nadine who's a tennis coach in Kingston and very close with Peter. And they shared with me that, yeah, this is in fact going to be his last singles match ever. um, You know, if he didn't win it, which, uh, which didn't work out, unfortunately, maybe we'll see him again in doubles. Um, I I think we've already seen him coaching with Dennis uh, Shapovalov. So perhaps that's something that he wants to be involved in working with juniors. He's good with kids. Um, You know, who knows, but uh, you know, kudos to Peter. Um, I actually touched base with him. I haven't told you this yet that, uh, he's going to come on and speak with us at some point this week. So um, oh, great. that'll be kind of nice to to recap his career and uh, and all he's seen during his uh, you know many years representing his country as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if we look at some first round matches, matches maybe you must watch if you are on the ground, say Monday or Tuesday. What do you have penciled, Mike? Well, you know where I'm going to go with this because we were recently talking with uh, another Canadian tennis uh, enthusiast and journalist, Karina Mustafa on her YouTube channel and uh, Gael Monfils versus Chris Eubanks. Uh, I would bet that there's a high percentage of people that would put that one forth as the match to watch in the first round. Uh, Gael Monfils, one of the all-time most talented players, didn't always work out for him in terms of going deep at slams. His body often betrayed him, but my goodness, what incredible talent from the former junior number one. And even though he never won a slam, just you know, slam-level performances out of him in terms of entertainment value athleticism, showmanship, and I hope we see a little bit of that. I'm sure we're going to see a little bit of that in this match. And he's up against Chris Eubanks, who's been one of the best players on the men's tour over the last month or two with his incredible rise in rankings from outside the top 100 when he spoke with you on this podcast earlier in the year in February to where he sits right now. Uh, I mean, it's a shame in many ways that they have to meet in the first round. But it's going to be great for fans in attendance who hopefully are going to get to see it on center court, too. I really hope they put it on, um, you know, the biggest court that we have here in Toronto. 
Yeah, I would I would love to see that. And, uh, you know, I mentioned this one to Karina as well. Cameron Norrie against Alex Dimenauer as a first round clash, I think, is a mouthwatering opening round match. Norrie, who's won five career titles, he's been inside the top 10 before he's made the semifinals of Wimbledon. Exciting left handed player, kind of a different player stylistically against Alex Dimenauer, who's just a speed demon around the court. The way he can cover courts, specifically the hard court surface, makes him must watch tennis. And it just has the feel of a match that is going three sets. I sense it. So if you get a chance to watch, I believe they're one of the first ones up on Monday. Not sure which court they're going to get. That feels center court worthy, though, if it's kind of in the early day session on Monday. Kind of feel for these players, too, when they see these draws come out like, oh, God, what did I do to deserve this <laughs> right? as they're kickstarting their summer hardcore swing at a Masters 1000 level. So No kidding. Uh, but this is what the hardcore fans are going to love. And, uh, you know, speaking of hardcore fans, I want to just give, uh, we both want to give a shout out to two uh, regular listeners of ours that we ran into at the draw ceremony. And that's Mike and Cindy, who came up to us and introduced themselves. And I, I just want to say, like, we really appreciated that conversation in that moment. Um, it's not so often that we get to meet our listeners in person. We do mm. interact with them through social media, but that was a rare moment. And I got to be honest, it kind of gave me like a real boost in the sense that, Hey, yeah, people listen to this and people enjoy this and it's real people out there, not just a bunch of bots, you know, that are clicking or whatever. Like, yeah, this is, you know, hopefully something that, and I know people have definitely uh, enjoyed over the past few years that we've had Matchpoint Canada. So Mike and Cindy, thanks for coming to say hi. Thanks for listening to us. We know you're going to enjoy the tournament this week so much as you watch, um, you know, most of the sessions. And there's so many Mike and Cindy's out there that love tennis in Canada. And uh, and we see it every year at this tournament. And it's uh, it's fantastic, the format it's in right now. But my goodness, is it even going to get bigger in 2025? And that's pretty cool, too. Yeah, um, getting that expanded field and then getting the tournament 12 days long. I, I know we're excited for that in a couple of years. Big thanks to, to those two. Um, big opportunity for our listeners. Uh, we actually have two daytime tickets for the Tuesday, August 8th session available. So if you're listening uh, to potential tickets, your chance to enter, here it is. You have to DM Matchpoint Canada on Twitter, which is at Matchpoint Can. So DM us the code word, your code word for a chance to win two uh, tickets to the Tuesday, August 8th day session is Felix. So remember that code word, Felix. Uh, for and a why is the enter. code word Felix, Ben? August 8th is Felix Ojeleseem's birthday. There you go. Turning 23, still so young. Um, and our thanks to Tennis Canada for procuring those tickets for us and our listeners. And I want to give a shout out to Jason Maglinte. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right, but he is the one in ticketing at Tennis Canada that always comes through for us. He did a great job for us last year when the women were in town. And once again, and, and this will not be our final giveaway. So please check mm -hmm. back with us. We got a few pairs to give away and that's thanks to Jason Tennis Canada. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all the tennis action unfolding in Toronto and Montreal uh, for the women's event as well. So check in back with us as we have regular podcasts throughout the week. Our thanks to Hotel X, the official hotel of Matchpoint Canada for this episode. Guys, we will talk to you next time. <laughs>